0: It's Matthew chapter 28. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The gods were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He is risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go and quickly and tell his disciples, He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. So the soldiers took the money and did as they were instructed, and this story has been widely circulated among the Jews to this very day. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely, I am with you always, to the very end of the age.
1: Cool. So, I, uh, very recently, I've been uh, learning, you don't need to know why, but I've learned that In the United States, there are 59 different airlines. There are 59 different airlines that you can buy that are based in the United States, you can fly around the United States in. And the one that makes the most money, that's what I was looking up, uh, is one called Delta Airlines. They're a massive airline, they're one of the biggest airlines in the whole world, Um, and they make shed loads of money, they do loads of flights. But the airline that makes the second most amount of profit has always been a bit of a surprise. It's been the way for the last 30 years or so, and it's been a bit of a shock. Oh, Beth knows it. Beth's saying it. Uh, It is uh, a tiny little airline called Southwest Airlines. They're based in Texas. They're a really small airlines. And every year, other than Delta, they make way more money than they spend and than anybody else makes. And finance people are absolutely fascinated how this tiny little airline can make so much money so consistently. And so they've looked into it. And when they've looked into it, experts have discovered that one of the keys to Southwest Airlines success is that people who work for them know what they call their commander's intent. Their commander's intent is basically the people who set it up, what they said, this is going to be our value that we stick to. And it is something that helps them make any and every decision that they want to make, and it has worked for decades. And when anyone understands the commander's intent, they can make any decision about the company's future and what they're gonna do. Do you wanna know what it is? Of course you do, I can see you're all desperate for it. Um, Here is the Southwest Airlines commander's intent. Southwest Airlines is the low fare airline. So everything they do, has to come and fit into this intent, this desire. Southwest Airlines is the low fare airline. And when they keep that commander's intent at the center of everything they do, they've been incredibly successful for nearly 40 years because knowing this means they can make all the right decisions. So for example, if somebody suggests that uh, people flying with them might like an extra starter with their in-flight meals, that sounds like a good idea, give people more options, a nicer food, something different. Should they do it or not? Well, no, because it's not gonna make them the low fare airline, it's gonna cost more money, fares are gonna have to rise. Okay, is it okay to celebrate a flight attendant's birthday over the PA to mention it? Yeah, doesn't cost any more money, you can do that, that is a good thing to go and do. You can't pop party poppers though, because if you do that, you need more cleaning, which is gonna mean air fares are gonna have to rise. They know their intent, they stick to it, and they can make any and every decision that they need to. And for Southwest Airlines, having a clear understanding of the commander's intent is vital for them to carry out their mission. And this morning, as we think about Avenue's mission to grow a church for Ayers-Monsul, but also to grow Avenue Church, I want us to think about our commander's intent. Because if Jesus is our king, which is what that name Christ that we often call him means as king, if Jesus is our king, then we need to know what our commander's intent is for us so that we can be obedient to him and carry out our mission that he's given us. And I'd argue that nowhere in the New Testament do we get a clearer picture of Jesus's commander's intent than here in Matthew 28, what we call the great commission. The bit in the Bible has been added in by people that call it that, but it's been known as the great commission for a very, very long time. The mission, the great mission that Jesus, the risen Lord Jesus gives to his disciples. Let's read those words again. Jesus says, "'Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you.'" Probably very well-known words, I imagine, to a lot of us. And I think there are four clear parts to this command, four clear commands that he gives us distinctly here. So first of all, he tells us to go, go. Don't stay here, don't stay where you are, go. Don't stay in your little holy huddle, disciples. Go and find people who don't know about me. Go, these verses have been used by God to spur thousands of people to travel all around the world to find people who don't yet know Jesus. Go. But then secondly, as you go, make disciples. Make disciples. A disciple is somebody who's learning from someone else, is a student of a particular teacher, Uh, And Jesus commands his disciples to go and make people want to learn more about him and learn from him. He wants the disciples to go and prick people's interests in learning more about Jesus. I find this really encouraging because Jesus doesn't say, go and make Christians. Go and get people converted and saved. That's not our job. Our job is not whether people are saved or not. Our job is to go and make people interested in learning about Jesus in talking about him with them. Whether they become Christians or not, that's not in our control. Instead, we are to go and find people and help them want to know more about Jesus. And we're not to let any prejudice or difference or discrimination get in the way of doing that. People are different to us, we're not to ignore them. We are to go to all places, to all nations, and to all people. Go, make disciples for all kinds of people from all kinds of places. And thirdly, when they're saved, baptize them. Baptize them. Baptism is the sign that Jesus gave to the church for Christians to announce that they really are Christians. That they've died to their sins in Jesus and have risen again with him. If you're a Christian here this morning, if you claim to be a Christian here this morning and you've not yet been baptized, why not? Baptism is an important part of demonstrating to the world and telling the world you're a Christian. So if you've not yet been baptized and you call yourself a Christian, we would love to chat with you about why you haven't done that. Baptism is not a sign that you're a perfect, holy, godly Christian who always makes the right decisions and reads their Bibles every day. Baptism is a sign that you know you're not a perfect, holy person, but that you are forgiven and want to follow Jesus. And fourthly, along with baptizing them, we're to teach people to obey him. We're to teach people to obey. The Christian life doesn't start with obedience and then you can do what you like. No, we all need continuing discipleship to know how to obey Jesus and to remind us of our calling to be obedient to him. So Jesus tells us that we need, all of us, need to continually be taught to obey everything he's commanded us. So four simple steps. Go, make disciples, baptise and teach. I think those are clearly our commander's intent. Those are the instructions that he gives to his disciples to obey. So how do they obey this command? What happens after this moment that the disciples do? Well, we'll see in order to obey through this command, all through the New Testament, they obey this, they fulfill this by planting churches. First, they do it there in Jerusalem after Pentecost. But then when persecution scatters them, they do it everywhere they go. And as a result, local churches are established all over the known world. Just listen to this list of just some of the names of places where churches are established in the New Testament. Jerusalem, Antioch, Athens, Berea, Caesarea, Colossae, Corinth, Crete, Cyrene, Damascus, Derby, Ephesus, Hierapolis, Iconium, Joppa, Laodicea, Lydda, Lystra, Pergamon, Philadelphia, Rome, Sardis, Sharon, Smyrna, Tarsus, Thessalonica, Thyatira, Troas, Tyre, and more. (laughs) Churches all over the known world, healthy, gospel-centered, local churches are and always have been God's plan for reaching the world. Places that go, places that send others to go, and that make disciples and then baptize them and teach them to obey Jesus. Avenue Church is key to God's plan to reach Clarendon Park with the gospel. So as we commit to one another, as we care for one another, as we rebuke one another in love, as we forgive one another and we ask for forgiveness from one another, as we pray for each other, as we mourn together, as we point each other to gospel hope in the face of tragedy and death, as we call each other to die to self and live for Christ, as we do all of this, we are being witnesses to the world around us. Ephesians 3 verse 10 to 11 puts it like this, his, meaning God's intent, was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus, our Lord. It was his eternal purpose to have Jesus sent to save us and then to establish churches to show off God's immense wisdom in saving us. And through churches, through God's communities, God plans for Christians to live Great Commission lives together, doing all four of these steps of the Great Commission together. See, the Great Commission wasn't given to each of the disciples individually, was it? They are all together there. Jesus tells them together, and so they go on mission together. We see that work itself out through Acts 2. On the day of Pentecost, the disciples are all together, and together they go out and preach together about Jesus. Peter and John go to the temple together in Acts 3 when they're arrested and threatened. And on their release, they go back to their church family who are praying together. In Acts 5, they're together when they deal with Ananias and Sapphira. And they're together when the Sadducees arrest them. They stick together when God frees them. And together, they then go and preach in the temple again. Together, as a result, they get flogged. But together, they leave rejoicing. Together, they bury Stephen. When Saul is converted, he immediately joins with other Christians. Ananias, a different one, and then Barnabas. And he always travels with others on his missionary journey. So he's got Barnabas, Timothy, Luke, and others are always with him. Similarly, Peter, whenever he wanders around, he always looks for churches and other Christians to be with when he travels anywhere. Together, the church in Antioch show their love for the church in Judea when famine hits. Together, the church in Jerusalem pray for Peter's release when he's arrested in Acts 12. Do you see the pattern? There's this attitude is that Christian life is often, it's me and Jesus. We're not meant to do that on our own. We are together saved to fulfill the Great Commission. God's plan is to fulfill the Great Commission through Christians working together and primarily in local churches. Mission detached from a local church is not what the Bible speaks about when it speaks about mission. The local church is God's plan for evangelism and mission in the world. So that's why in Romans 15, Paul can say that from Jerusalem and all the way around to Illyricum, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. He says the gospel of Christ has been fulfilled in all of those areas, not because he's preached the gospel in every single place in that region, but because he knows that there are churches planted there. And the church is how the gospel is going to spread into individual neighborhoods. Local churches do local evangelism. All through the New Testament, The church is where evangelism happens. It's where baptism happens. It's where discipleship happens. And it's where new disciples come to learn what it means to follow Christ, to get baptised themselves, and are taught to go out again and make more disciples. The church is God's plan to fulfil the Great Commission. The church is God's plan to fulfil the Great Commission, and that hasn't changed for 2,000 years, and it isn't going to change for another 20,000 years. The church is where people see Jesus. Because the Bible says that the local church is the physical body of Jesus on earth. Have a look at Ephesians 1, 22 and 23. It says, God placed all things under his, meaning Jesus' feet, and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body. The fullness of him who fills everything in every way Jesus is in heaven now he's in he's in uh, with god at the right hand of the father people see jesus by looking at the church the local church is vital and desperate and important to the gospel mission getting out into the world and this truth has fueled what we want to do in asmontsel it's fueled the way we want to grow a church for asmontsel it's directly in response to seeing this great commission and wanting to obey it in our commander's intent so firstly going Going. Our mission plan involves moving to Erzmonsal, as we've already said. So just like Simon and Ali can't reach Ethiopia without going there, getting to know the area and understanding the culture there. And just like Matt and Lisa can't reach out to Nigeria without moving there and becoming part of the community there. We can't reach out to Erzmonsal without living there. It really is a very different culture to what we are all used to. And without getting to know what life is like there and what the culture is like, any attempts to go and make disciples there will be like speaking a different language. So to understand the culture of Erzmonsal, we have committed to living there as much as possible. We're committed to going to the local co-op, the local cafes, there are two on the estate, and going to the schools, getting to find ways to get into the community, to get to know people in the community. As a result of that, we're committed to denying ourselves and our own preferences. Let me assure you, the coffee on the estate is nowhere near as nice as the coffee around here or in town. The beer on the estate is rubbish. Sacrifices, hey? (laughs) But we want to be intentional and deliberate in how we get into the community to understand and learn what the community is like, so that we can secondly make disciples. Because we are committed to talking openly and freely about why we've moved in. Mentioning Jesus whenever there's possibility. One of the places that's happened a lot for me uh, is one of the two cafes called Vandrews. Um, a couple of you have been here and had a coffee there with me. Uh, the, one of the ladies who works says a lady called Tracy. And after a couple of times I've been in for coffee, she asked me what my job was. So I chanced to share briefly that I'm uh, assistant pastor of a church hoping to start a church on Ayers Monsal and thought nothing more of that and moved on. A few months later, though, having kept going in out of the blue, she says to me, Oh, Dan, I've been thinking, how is your church thing going? How's that all going? Oh, okay. So I have a chance then to talk a bit more about how there are more of us who've joined the team and have moved into the estate and wanting to get to know the estate because we love it and we're really desperate to see a gospel church here that reaches out into the community. Or Josh and Emma, they've had similar chats with their neighbors when they first moved in um, that seemed to come to relatively little, just talking about why they'd moved in in the first place. But then just last Sunday, Josh had a great chat with, with his neighbor out of the blue about is God really good and how can we trust him? And the neighbor concluded from that, that all of his questions about God only make sense if there is a creator in the first place who can answer them. And if Josh and Emma hadn't gone there and moved there, then that initial disciple-making interest wouldn't have happened, would it? Or take Becky. She works at the, uh, the Club for Young People where we have our prayer meetings, and her son is in Aoife's class. And I'm not entirely sure how. I think through his chats with Aoife, and then Becky's chats with Emma and others at Thelma's Cafe, the other one on the estate... She heard about my job, and then at a random celebration of the the club's 30th or 60th birthday, I think it was, she walked up to me, said, Hi, Dan, I've been meaning to come and talk to you for ages. I've been really anxious about what happens after we die, and I really wanted to talk to you about it. I just wanted to eat cake. I wasn't expecting that. (laughs) But out of the blue, she comes out, and it opens great opportunities to chat about the gospel, and none of that would have happened if we weren't there. If we hadn't gone to Erzmonsal to do this together, we won't be able to make disciples, even the beginning stages, if we weren't there and if we weren't getting involved in the community. Some of you will have been praying for and may have met Jess as well. She was here the other Sunday. She's another great example of this. I think I taught her younger brother in my first class at Ralston, uh, and Jamie then taught him too through South Wigston. And as a result of that, when she saw me, it's a bit of a tenuous link when she saw me tweeting with Ralston School, she followed me on Twitter and then also saw me tweeting about Ayers-Monsal Church stuff. And then when Aoife and her daughter quickly got good friends, Jamie and her met for a park date, and basically Jess's first sentence to Jamie at this park date was, hi, I've been reading about this church thing that Dan's talking about on Ayers-Monsal, I'd be really interested in it. Again, Jamie wasn't quite prepared for that, Uh, and none of that would have happened if we weren't there if we hadn't deliberately gone to as monsel sought out living around people who don't yet know jesus in obedience to his command here if we'd only ever stayed within our christian bubble or stayed inside our houses never mixing with non-christians well people are never going to hear about jesus are they we are jesus's representatives here on earth as paul says in romans 10 14 how can they go on call on the one they haven't believed in and how can they believe in the one of whom they haven't heard and how can they hear without someone preaching to them and how can anyone preach unless they're sent and we've been sent haven't we Matthew 28 makes that clear we have all been sent this is what we're all called to do the Great Commission is still true for us today this commander's intent is not just for missionaries and church leaders or planters it is for all Christians at all times and we don't have to be able to give sermons about Jesus. We just have to love him. Have a look at Matthew 28 again. The women that he gives the message to pass on to the disciples, two in verses nine and 10. Have a look what they do before he gives the message. And then the disciples before he gives them the great commission in verse 17. What do they do? They worship him. I love the bit where it says some of them doubted. That's great. Jesus can handle doubts. He wants you worship their love and their worship for him is their fuel for their mission where Jesus sends them. And I think that's the same that is true for us today. A lot of you will remember A.D. A.D. Harris who used to be here at Avenue. Um, he was and still is a massive Leeds United football fan. Huge. You'll have seen that if you see any pictures of Theo anywhere as well. I am not a Manchester United fan. Uh, I'm not a Leeds United fan, sorry. I am, I am a Manchester United fan. Now, Leeds United and Manchester United hate each other. They are rivals. But Ady and I got on very well, still do, and as a result of my friendship with Ady and his obvious passion and enthusiasm for Leeds, I now get the Leeds United score results on my phone whenever Leeds United play. I follow loads of Leeds United pundits on Twitter. I could name the majority of the Leeds United first team. I've even been with Ady to Elland Road to watch Leeds United play football, in with the Leeds United fans. And that all happened because he and I are friends and he clearly loved Leeds, so he talked to me about it. And he just shared stuff that was interesting to him that he was doing, that he enjoyed. He shared his passion for Leeds with me and even though I didn't share his passion, he still talked to me about it when I didn't want him to. But that's what friends do, isn't it? They talk about what they love and they enjoy with each other. Just imagine what sort of impact that kind of casual gospel gossiping could have if we did the same with our love for Jesus. That's what we're hoping and praying to do on the Airs Montsall, just gossiping the gospel, chatting naturally about Jesus to the people we come up with because he's a big part of our lives and we worship him and love him. Yes, I'm not a Leeds United fan, but I'm closer to being one than I was. I'm not going to be. But I'm closer to being one than I ever was. And I think there's a lot we can learn from that about how much we love Jesus and how easily and naturally we chat about him. I've definitely been encouraged to think about that more. It also challenged me that if I'd been friends with AD for a while before he was finally brave enough to mention his, his, he's got quite an interest in this football club, I probably wouldn't have believed he was that into it. If he waits six to eight months before he tells me, oh, actually, I'm a Leeds United fan, you know, I really love them. I wouldn't have believed he really did, because why has he not told me about it before? This was such a big deal for him. Why hasn't he mentioned it earlier? I'm convinced that loving Jesus, worshipping him, and then talking about that naturally to anyone and everyone we meet is the key way forward for Christians in the UK. Be upfront about what we believe. Be natural and normal about it, like you might be with any other passion, but don't be ashamed of it or embarrassed about it. They're not embarrassed about their passions. Why should we be embarrassed about ours? Because what ayers needs is what Clarendon Park needs, is what Ethiopia needs, is what Nigeria needs, is what the whole world needs. It needs Christians who are willing to go and make disciples wherever they are, whatever opportunities they get through churches. Churches are God's chosen place to disciple people, to baptize them, to disciple them more, to train people in godliness and to demonstrate the truth of the gospel as Christians love one another sacrificially and wholeheartedly. And Ayers-Monsall needs a gospel church. And so does Clarendon Park. It needs a church where these things are all true, where they're seen and where they're spoken about. As a team in Airs to try and keep ourselves focused, uh, we're regularly asking ourselves three key questions to help us keep our eye on our commander's intent and to remember that. So as we study Ephesians together, as we hang out together, as we look at any bits of the Bible, we're looking to see what the Bible has to say about these questions, but we're looking to keep these questions at the front of our mind. I think they would be great questions to keep thinking about for Avenue and for Clarendon Park too. So firstly, first thing we ask is, what is the gospel? What is the gospel? What is the good news that we have to share? What does the Bible say and promise and guarantee about what the gospel is and what it will do? How does the truth of the gospel affect how we as Christians react to the different things in our lives, the disappointments, the rejections, the joys and successes? What does the gospel say to us as a team about what we expect from each other and from the estate around us? How can we communicate clearly the vital truth of the gospel? What is the gospel? Secondly, we ask, what is Erz-Mansel? For you, you can say Avenue, Clarendon Park, wherever your home is. What is Monsel? What is it like? What are its worldviews that it's holding on to most? What are the big temptations and cares that will distract people from believing the gospel? What lies might people be believing about God? What does the Bible say about those people in ayers Monsel who don't yet know Jesus as their saviour and their lord? What is Monsel? And then thirdly, what is the church? What is the church? What is the biblical purpose for a local church? And what is the pattern of local church behavior in life in the New Testament? What makes it different to just a few Christians hanging out together? What is God's plan for the church? What is it for? How does God want to use it? What is the church? And these three questions were helping uh, keep us focused on the task at hand. And to not get distracted by the whole galaxy of things that we could get distracted by. What is the gospel? What is And what is the church? But the truth is, as we've thought about these things, as we look at the size of the task, it's a bit overwhelming. In fact, it's massively overwhelming. Yeah, I've shared a couple of good news stories earlier, but being honest, the vast majority of interaction with people on the estate involves very little mention of Jesus at all. And when it does, you get very little interest back. And if I'm really honest, I am often just freaking out over how we're going to go from just being a group of Christians living in a place to becoming a church for ayers How do you get from that to this? And then, with my Avenue hat on, how on earth is Avenue going to make any difference in Clarendon Park? How are we ever going to see the gospel make an impact here? The size of the task is just too big, isn't it? The opposition to everything the church stands for is just too massive. We seem so culturally irrelevant as a church, don't we? How on earth are we going to see people come to know and love Jesus here? If we're honest, we haven't seen any conversions at Avenue for a few years now, have we? Why should that change? And That can be really discouraging, really demoralizing. So what do we do in the face of that discouragement? Well, I think we need to hear what Jesus says either side of those verses in Matthew 28. Because Jesus gives us more than just his commander's intent. He gives us vital promises to help us carry out the task. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, as a result of all that authority being given to Jesus, therefore we can go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely, I promise you, I guarantee you in an unbreakable promise, I am with you always to the very end of the age. Two great, massive promises from Jesus. All authority has been given to him, and he's going to be with us all the way. Every single bit of authority over every single situation is Jesus's, and he will never leave us or forsake us. So when the mission we have feels overwhelming and undoable, we desperately need reminding of this truth, don't we? That Jesus promises to be with us in everything we do for him, whether it is successful or not. Although success isn't really whether people are saved or not, is it? Success is whether we're faithful in obeying Jesus' commands. We may never start a church in ayers but I think we're being faithful to Jesus' mission, and that is a good thing. So we have the great confidence as we go out and talk about Jesus with our friends and our family and our neighbours and our colleagues, that the one who created the stars and the planets and the universes is with us and has authority over every situation we're in. As we try and talk about Jesus with people battered by the storms of life, or when we feel battered by the storms of life ourselves, we can have confidence that the one who can calm the storms is right there with us. As we battle our own sicknesses and pains and worries, we can still go out knowing that the the one who never met a sickness he couldn't heal is with us. And when the people we're desperate to talk about Jesus with seem so disinterested and spiritually dead, we can trust that with us we have the one who can raise the dead and breathe life into corpses. As we come up against people who seem to have all the arguments sorted and can put us down with their clever Dawkins-esque wit, and who seem to want to oppose our message every step of the way, we know that we've got Jesus with us, the one who could silence the opposition with a simple question. But he also knew when it was right to say nothing and just take the attacks. When we feel so stuck by our own battles with sin and temptation, let alone seeing the size of sin and temptations in the lives of others, And that makes us wonder if people would ever want to give up those things for Jesus. We can have the confidence that we have with us the one who has defeated sin and achieved complete forgiveness from us from our sins. And we no longer have to be embarrassed about our sins because he's wiped them all clean. And he's promised to be with us every step of the way. And when the cost of obeying Jesus, when this call feels too great, when the sacrifices that we must make feel too much, when the desire for our own comforts or our own success or our own happiness for once seemed just so big, we can remember that with us, we have the one who was tempted in every way just as we are, and yet who defeated sin laid down his life and endured the cross for us and is cheering us on, encouraging us to keep going and has authority over every sacrifice we're called to make in obedience to him. And remember our job is not to create Christians. Our job is not to save people. That is his job alone. And he'll do it through churches. Our job as a church is to be faithful to what Jesus calls us to do. We're called to make disciples baptize and teach them in churches to obey. And we do all of that by going. And so as a team, we're doing that by going to ayers But Avenue, you, you've got the same mission here. And we must believe that this mission really is given to us and that these promises Jesus gives us really are true for us so that we can be faithful to the calling Jesus gives us and trust him to work. Doesn't mean it's going to be easier, that we'll see shed loads of conversions, but it does mean that we'll be faithful to our commander's intent. And it doesn't mean we've all got to preach. I'm not trying to say you want me to go out and stand on the street corners and preach. That's definitely not what we're talking about. But it does mean we need to be willing to talk to people about Jesus. Beginning that disciple-making journey with them yourself. Introducing them to other Christians in your life. And then bringing them to the church. Because the local church is the place God intends to reach people, to b- baptize people and disciple people and send them out from. You can't do mission work on your own out there unless you're rooted in here. And they won't come to us first unless we've gone to them. It's hard enough to get into Avenue School building, let alone want to know, even though it's here as a church, is it? Unless you know somebody from Avenue Church, you're not going to know to come in here on a Sunday morning. So we've got to go out there and do it. They won't come to something we're not that passionate about. They're not going to believe in a God we barely worship. And that's why the local church is vital to be a place to fuel our worship of God and send us out. He sends us. He promises to be with us so we can go and make disciples of all nations in Ayersmonstall, in Clarendon Park, in Ethiopia, in Nigeria, and the rest of the world. And through local churches, we can baptize and teach people to obey everything Jesus commands us. So as we close, and I promise you this isn't one of those ones where I say as we close and then ramble on for 10 minutes. It says two minutes at the bottom of my Kindle, so that's all we've got. As we close, can I ask all of us as a church family to just do one thing to help us, particularly on Airs Monsol, as this is an Ayers-Mansal Sunday, to grow. Something we need more than anything else you can possibly do. We need your prayers. We, as a team, desperately need your prayers. No offense to the team. We're very stupid. And we forget these truths about Jesus so much. We forget that Jesus has got authority over every situation we're called into, and the storms of life feel overwhelming at points. Some of you know about some of the battles we've faced as a team over the last couple of years. We forget these truths and we get bogged down with this. So we need your prayers. We have doubts, we have struggles, so we need your prayers for us, and we need your prayers to ask Jesus to remind us of these truths himself. So please, can I ask everybody here, whether you're coming to ayers or not, could you commit to praying for ayers at least once a week? Hey, every day would be great, but just once a week. Pray for the team members. Pray for our children. Pray for me and Jamie as we try and lead wisely. We really need that. Pray for more people to join us. Pray for more gospel contacts and chances to chat about Jesus with people. Pray for the finances to do what we're convinced we need to do. If you need help with that, as Mike said earlier, there's a prayer diary. As Monson was mentioned in the prayer diary, sign up to that. Or even better, sign up to the prayer letter. And even better than that, Read it. I get a report telling me which people open the prayer letter and which people don't open it. And that did not open statistic is massively discouraging some months. It's even worse if I want to torture myself and look at who. So if you want to go one step further than just reading the letter as well, get in touch with us. Like We really do need your encouragement and support. I know we talk a lot about this and we seem more fine and independent. We are desperately dependent upon you. So please ask us about specific things. Ask us about the things we've asked for prayer for. Send us encouragements. We desperately need you. And as a team, we forget the truths that Jesus tells us. So we need you to remind us. And we need your support to remind us. So why not come tonight to 527 and pray more specifically for the work here? Or come to the monthly prayer meetings if you can, either on Zoom or in person. In our specific mission in ayers we need you all at Avenue. We need your prayers and encouragements and love as we try and be faithful to Jesus' commands. So please pray for us. Please encourage us. And then look for how we as a church community here at Avenue can be one where we're all looking to obey Jesus in the Great Commission and that encourages each other, wherever we are, to obey our commander's intent, no matter how hard it gets. Let's pray, shall we? Father God, we thank you for these verses in Matthew Thank you that you didn't stay dead, that you rose from the dead and you meet with us. And thank you for the privilege, even though it's terrifying sometimes, Lord, of being on mission for you and being ambassadors for you. Lord, we wanna pray for Avenue Church. We pray that as a church family, we would be a place where people are fueled up to go out and call people here to learn more about you. I pray that we would be a church that is a healthy, thriving gospel-centered church in and for this community here. And Lord, we ask for the same for ayers Monsel. We pray that you would help us as a team to keep our eyes fixed on the calling you've given us. And I pray that you'd help us all to be faithful to obeying what you command us to do. Thank you for promises that you've given us, though, Lord. Thank you that all authority is yours. And whatever situation daunts us and overwhelms us at the moment, we can trust your sovereign power over and authority over. And thank you for that reassurance of your constant presence with us, no matter what. We all forget that so often, Lord, and I pray that you'd help remind us of that in the weeks and months and years ahead. Amen.